You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll take you to Alcatraz, where indigenous communities held an annual sunrise gathering on Thanksgiving. Every year, the International Indian Treaty Council organizes this gathering to mark the anniversary of the indigenous occupation of the island that began in 1969 and lasted more than a year. This year marked the 50th anniversary. 50 years ago, we came out here and took an island. We had, we had no idea what was going to happen. We didn't know that we would, I didn't know I'd be standing here today. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. In November 1969, a group of about 70 indigenous young people who called themselves Indians of all tribes sailed to and began living on Alcatraz, the island in the San Francisco Bay, otherwise known as the home of a former prison. Under the Treaty of Fort Laramie, unused federal land was supposed to be open to be claimed by Native Americans, and the prison had been shut down in 1963. The occupiers, some of them families with young children, were able to stay for nearly 19 months. The occupation sparked a much broader indigenous people's movement. Now, people from indigenous communities travel to Alcatraz every Thanksgiving for a sunrise gathering commemorating the occupation. Some of them were among the original occupiers, like Dr. Lenata Warjack. This is something that uh, our ancient people have done for years, for thousands of years, is the sunrise prayer. And it could be said in many different ways, in many different languages, but what we do is we use our hands, which are our receptors, and when the sun rays come over, then our voice that comes from our heart and our soul, it comes in sound, makes sound, and it travels on the light rays to the sun. Now, I want to thank everyone. It's so good to be back here again. 50 years ago, we came out here and took an island. We had had no idea what was going to happen. We didn't know that we would, I didn't know I'd be standing here today and I'm very fortunate and lucky because not many of us are here from that time, but those of us that are here, we're, we're grateful and thankful to be here with our lives. I came over on the boat with uh, Fawn Oaks. Her father was Richard Oaks, and we came together to take this island along with all the students in the state of California. So my roots are here. All right, my name is Clayton Earl Duncan, and uh, I remember November 1969 when this happened. I was 19 years old, and I, me and my brother, we caught, we hitchhiked and caught a, a motorboat. There was about six, seven of us rode in this motorboat from the uh, pier to over here, and that was a scary ride, but we got over here. And the energy that this uh, Alcatraz created. Well, I went back home to Lake County and I helped change, well, I did it myself actually, changed two mascots 
in Lake County, the Braves and the uh, Indians. And there's a plaque on the road where it says, Battle of Bloody Island. But all they did was kill women and children, 250 of them. My great-grandmother and her mother survived. But instead of being angry, I, I grew up, uh, you know, reading this history and I got angry. And then mom, she goes, why are you angry? Why are you walking around all bad? I said, well, what the fuck these people done? They stole all our land, murdered all our people. You know, that makes me mad. She goes, well, this is what grandma done. Grandma got up every morning, put her palms to the air, and she prayed to Waharika for the energy of forgiveness. Because love is more powerful than hate will ever be. And, and our grandmothers had to teach us that. And so these energies that we took from Alcatraz, Jim Brown, me and him uh, put the Lake County Tribal Health uh, Program together in Lake County, is still going. I helped build our res, Robinson Rancheria. And we're both on a radio program, kpfz.org. You can stream it, kpfz.org. And they kind of call us the, uh, uh, they kind of call us uh, bigots and racists <laughs> for the things that we share with them. Because all we're doing is bringing up the history. I was here 15 years ago. I was 21 years old. <laughs> and um, it's been a long, long, hard struggle. I came out here from Colorado, Colorado State. It was a pilgrimage for me, a spiritual journey. And I still continue this uh, spiritual journey. Now I'm a grandfather, my elder. I want to thank the Ohlone people for allowing us to come here on the land and share the memories, the experience, the blessings. I also want to remember the college students that made the stand here. My brother, Pat Janiha, Francis Burnside, Joe Bill, Al Miller, Richard Oaks, Lynetta Means, AKA Dr. Lenada Warjack, people like these, these people, they made a, a sacrifice. Some are gone, some are still here. And you continue that, that effort, that struggle. So I'm pleased to be among you today as new generations, the water protectors. And your children, grandchildren, continue that struggle. That's uh, my thoughts at this time. Organizers and activists came from around the state and beyond to participate and shared stories and visions of the work they do in their communities, taking on problems ranging from sex trafficking to substance abuse. My name is Mama Jules. Um, my my uh, colonizer name is uh, Julie Richards. My Lakota name is Akichitawi, which means warrior woman. And my ancestors seen the road that I was gonna take before I was even born and gave me that name because they knew the path that I walk is a hard one. I have a grassroots program I started out of my own home six years ago called Mothers Against Meth Alliance. 
Repeat after me. Mothers Against Meth Alliance. Yeah, so we um, kind of a, a one-woman crew here. We um, fight, fight the meth epidemic on the Ocheti Chakowi, not only on Oglala territory, but we reach out to other indigenous territories. And we fight everything that comes along with the meth epidemic. One of our biggest fights is sex trafficking. We go out and rescue sex trafficking victims. We kick in trap house stores. We take on the meth dealers, sometimes physically, out to get fingers. And so it's a real, real honor to be here. My grandma was Geraldine Highwood, Janice. Growing up, I seen her put the people before her. And I thought, man, I want to be like my grandma. I want to I wanna work for the people. And that's that's my heart putting the people before me and making sure that my grandchildren's grandchildren are able to live in a safe community we do our own nightly patrols every night all night to make sure our community's safe because we know that all we have to protect us is ourselves right and um my biggest message is that we all need to come together we all need each other right now. We have our sisters missing. We have our brothers going missing. We have these pipelines coming through. I've, um, I've locked down my fight. My biggest, uh, how I fight the MMIW is locking down the pipelines. I've locked down to three of them to bring awareness on the man camps and how the you know how it's all connected the drugs the man camps the sex trafficking they all lead to our missing and murdered relatives so that's my stand i'm i'm out on um out on bond for numerous charges from all of these so <laughs> but like i said it's just an honor to be here today some people are in mourning today but i'm happy we survived over 500 years And we're still here, and we're still resisting, and we're all standing. Wopila, Tonka, to all of you, and to my sister, and to the Ohlone ancestors for the sacrifices they made for me to be here, and also to my ancestors, those wild Oglalas that own the U.S. flag. We'll talk more about what was discussed at an annual sunrise gathering of indigenous communities on Alcatraz when we return in a moment. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. The San Francisco Public Press and KSFP rely on support from readers and listeners like you. That's why we're excited to participate in Newsmatch, a national collaboration of journalism funders. Newsmatch will double donations from individuals to the public press through the end of the year. Your pledge will support independent, diverse local perspectives and investigative reporting. Visit sfpublicpress.org donate. This is KSFP LP, San Francisco. Welcome back to Civic. Let's hear more from some of the activists and organizers who spoke at the annual Sunrise Gathering at Alcatraz on Thanksgiving. 
This year marked the 50th anniversary of the 1969 occupation of the island by Indigenous activists. Many of the people there were wearing pins or scarves or holding signs with the letters MMIW. That abbreviates Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. The movement calls attention to thousands of Indigenous women and girls who have been disappeared or found dead in recent years across the U.S. and Canada. In 2016, more than 5,700 missing American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls were reported to the National Crime Information Center. The U.S. Department of Justice's Federal Missing Persons Database only logged 116 cases. I spoke with one woman who brought a teepee to Alcatraz that travels all over California. It's painted with handprints of people who are searching for or mourning a missing or murdered relative. My name is Sister Who Walks With Bears, but my colonized name is Marge Grow Eppard. Alcatraz was taken over in 69, and it was a major coup for the Native Americans because any buildings that are left by the federal government unoccupied goes back to the Native Americans. They reneged on that, so they occupied Alcatraz. So after Alcatraz, they had gotten um, where we wanted a university so that all of us could go and learn our native language, our culture, our dances, whatever it was. And so we got DQ University in Davis, California. And it's California's only tribal college. So it's connected, it's very important that Alcatraz and DQ come together. Um, in the time that you have been active in this movement and calling attention to missing and murdered indigenous women, is what has changed that you have pushed for and what hasn't that still needs to? We didn't realize there was so many missing and murdered indigenous people. My own first cousin is missing since 1980. I was left for dead. So it hits so close to home, that's why I do this. And it's to bring awareness. And then when others come up and they tell me, my mother's been missing since 1950-something, it's like, oh my God, why isn't anything being done? It's because the authorities think we're out getting drunk or something. So bringing this awareness is vitally important now. And I know it's hard on a lot of families to bring the topic up, but when you go into this healing lodge that travels, the tears come, the healing starts, and then they get angry. I need to find my relative now, you know? We can't forget them, but that's what the government wants. They want to be, us to be forgotten, and we're not gonna do it. Can you talk a little bit about um, this lodge that you've brought uh, for somebody who can't see it because it is radio? Yes, it's red. And then it has a dancing woman in a shawl and her moccasins that's in white. And then all along that has white handprints from relatives that have a family member that's either missing or murdered. And they put their handprint up there and then they put the name and the date of death and where it occurred on this teepee. I also usually wear a ribbon skirt with all the names that people bring me of their relatives that are missing and murdered. And then I go and I dance in that skirt with them. We usually have red dresses that is all over the place and they sway whenever music or the drumming starts. It's haunting to see that. So that's why we say why we wear red. 
no more stolen sisters, missing and murdered indigenous women. All of that ties into the same thing because it's going nationwide. It's a genocide that happened to us since 1492. So this teepee represents a lot and it travels. And we're actually gonna be getting another one soon. For people who aren't familiar, you said you're raising awareness about exactly how widespread the issue is. I mean, we're hearing about this in, internationally. Yeah. Um, but, but for someone who doesn't know much about it, how, how many women do we know? How many women? There are over 5,700. That is documented right now. But we know damn well there's hundreds of thousands. So just getting that awareness to families who need to talk about it needs to happen. And then a lot don't have Facebook, so they don't know that this is actually going on. And then when they come to an event like Alcatraz and they've traveled from various states and they say, what is this? And then we educate, this is for our people. We have to remember them. And so, like I said, not everybody has Facebook. So when they come to an event like this, everybody goes to Alcatraz or they go to a powwow and they see this. And then it brings that awareness to them. Thank you so much. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you want to say? Just, we want this to stop. We don't want any more of our missing or murdered. We're hoping that we can pass some bills to protect them. Can you talk a little bit about what bills you're proposing? The bills we are proposing is for missing and murdered and to start doing different events that bring awareness to we need these bills passed that when we say one of our relatives is missing, you need to take us serious instead of waiting 72 hours. We need stronger laws to when they do find the murderer or who has ever kidnapped that they are put in prison. They're often let go. And that tells the public, they don't do anything for us anyway. Why should we say anything? These laws have got to become stricter with domestic violence, sexual assault, the child molestations, all of that has got to be recognized and passed in a bill to put these perpetrators and these pedophiles behind bars. Some of the speakers at the gathering brought dispatches from movements opposing projects like the Dakota Access Pipeline. That means hello, good morning. Um, I want to try something really quick. Um, I say that means hello, good morning in my language. I, wanna, I want y'all to say hello, good morning in your language. And when you guys do that, I want y'all to acknowledge each other, shake each other's hand, uh, sh uh, hug each other, because that's why we're here. We're here to acknowledge the stars. We're here to acknowledge the universe, the, the animals, the, the birds, the ones that cannot speak for them. We have to speak for them, you know. So, good morning. Yeah, Marcus Mitchell, Yannis Sneth. Hello, my name is Marcus Dean Mitchell. Uh, I am a member of the Navajo Nation. Um, I would first, first like to say that I do not speak for the American Indian Movement. I do not speak for anybody else except for myself. I speak for 500 years of oppression. I speak for 100 million 
people that have been massacred in, in genocide and have been removed from this land since 1492 and so on and so forth. I would like to be able to share a story with you all. I would like to be able to tell you guys all a story. You know, we cannot be able to let Standing Rock disappear and fade away in the history books. We cannot be able to allow North Dakota law enforcement and the United States law enforcement and the United States federal government to get away with genocidal acts that they've done on the indigenous people and their lands. I would, I would like to be able to share with you a story. On January 19th, 2017, on the Backwater Bridge, approximately 300 water protectors peacefully assembled, peacefully assembled on the Backwater Bridge in peaceful, prayerful protest. They were met with hostility. They were met with rifles. They were met with snipers. They were met with tear gas. They were met with concussion grenades, rubber bullets, beanbags. A lot of people were hurt that night. That was the night right before Donald Trump was inaugurated president. A lot of these cops thought they could get away. They thought they could be able to hurt us. They thought they could be able to tear us apart and break us. And yes, they did. They hurt a lot of us that night. January 19, 2017 was the first night that the United States Army National Guard physically intervened in Standing Rock. I'd like to be able to share with you a little story right here. When we as young indigenous youth, the seventh generation medicine children, when we were called up to the Oseti Shikoi camp, we went up because our hearts told us to. Our, our hearts were calling. Something deep, deep inside of us was calling out. And this power that we have in each other and ourselves, we gotta be able to overcome this. I would like to be able to share with you the story. Oh, sorry. Uh, right here. And it's a summary of the Dakota Access Pipeline since 2014 till now. The Dakota Access Pipeline was first proposed by Energy Transfer Partners in 2014. It is a 1,168 mile crude oil pipeline that crosses the Missouri River in Lake Ohe, a mile and a half upstream of the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. It runs through the ancestral lands and treaty lands of the Oshete Shikoa and other known as the Great Sioux Nation. The Missouri River is the sole water source the, for the Standing Rock Sioux and the Cheyenne Sioux tribes. It is sacred to the Oshete Shikoa people. This area through which the Dakota Access Pipeline runs through Lake Ohe also holds great spiritual, cultural, and historical value to the Standing Rock Sioux and the Cheyenne River Sioux tribes. Although the area in which Daddy Rock and the Great Cheyenne, Great, Great Cheyenne River tribe members publicly oppose the Dakota Access Pipeline because it's threatened their water source, their burial sites, and their sovereignty. During the night of January 19th, atrocities were committed. I was shot by a Bismarck police officer from 35 feet away while I had my hands up. I was not opposing the pipeline, instead I was making sure the water protectors were safe. I would like to, since then, a lot of people, many people have filed federal lawsuits. A lot of people are holding these people accountable. And we, have, and we must do the same. Now that, now that this has been said, through Sandy Rock, 
we've endured a lot of train, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, and it hurts. It hurts because my brothers are. It hurts because my brothers are coming back messed up. It hurts because that our people are coming back torn. It shouldn't be like this, y'all. We should. None of this should have ever happened. And for the only way we can be able to restore that love, restore and grow from that, we have to hold these people accountable. We have to do it for our people, for the next seven generations, everybody. Others are working to learn and teach indigenous languages and cultures, many of which were violently repressed. My name is Phil Albers. I'm a Kudik man. Uh, Tara Lynn and I live in Orleans, California. Our efforts are emphasized right now on cultural wellness and helping our people to re-identify with themselves and have access and the ability to receive some of the healing and some of the importance of what we've been denied so long, so many years, through America deciding what's best for America, not what's best for the people of this land also known as colonization. As we relive the trauma of that time, of our ancestors, of our grandparents, of our parents, even ourselves and our children, when we go through that, it's our effort to offer safety for our future generations and to reconnect with that, to access our cultural tribal practices and traditions so that we can again Remember who we are as indigenous people of this land. That's one of the most important parts we feel we can do for our people. We cannot do this alone. We must rely on the wisdom of our ancestors, all those who have gone on before us. And we must rely on the wisdom and the assistance of those who remain here to guide, teach, and protect us, our sacred places our sacred lands, and in order to do that, we must reconnect with ourselves as indigenous people of this land. This is where our belief is and what our efforts are to offer our community members, our children and our youth and our families that are struggling to survive in, this, in these conditions. The best way for us to reconnect with that is to reconnect with our waters, to reconnect with our lands, and to reconnect with that thousands and thousands year old knowledge that our ancestors have left for us. And in order to do all of that, we have to remain strong in our ways and our respect for our elders, in our warriorship. As all of you are warriors here, we have warriors back home, and we have warriors all over the world working for this common goal and what we've been terming cultural wellness for us upriver, but to have our right to exist as indigenous people. One message repeated by several speakers was a call to foster solidarity across nations and cultures. Lalani Teal and Liko Martin have been opposing the construction of an 18-story telescope on Mauna Kea in Hawaii. They stressed the connection between California organizers and their own effort. We're here to give our thanks to all of you so many, so many who are 
hear the, the indigenous peoples of this land of Mokuhono, of Great Turtle Island, have really, really helped us to stay strong, to maintain the Rainbow Bridge, to really strengthen our stand in um, not just Mauna Kea, but in many places. And it's been very, very important for California to be standing with us because the forces that we're up against, CMT, is here in California, and we hope that we can support you as you've supported us. Mahalo. And Uncle Liko Martin was one of the 33 kupuna who was arrested on Mauna Kea, and um, he's our chief bard of Aloha Aina, of love for the land in Hawaii. And so, um, we would like to play a song that, that everybody's been singing up on the Mauna and worldwide. There's been a worldwide jam for Mauna Kea with Uncle Liko Martin's song. So we'll do that for you today. means to stand fast. From here, after the last 50 years, Onipa'akako, stand fast together. Can we have one? Onipa'a! 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 Quarterback Colin Kaepernick, whose silent protest against police shootings of African Americans by kneeling during the national anthem played before games resulted in him being frozen out of the sport almost entirely, made his second appearance at the Sunrise Gathering in recent years. How's everybody doing this morning? It's an honor and privilege to be here. Thank you for sharing your space with me, sharing your space with our family. It's been 50 years since the occupation, and that struggle has continued for that 50 years. Before that 50 years, and will continue from this point. And it's our responsibility to honor our ancestors and honor our elders by carrying on that struggle. Don't let their sacrifices be in vain. We carry that struggle on in solidarity. That's why it's important for all of us be here to, to be here today, to show that we're together, that we're unified, that we have that solidarity. So we honor those from the past, we struggle with those in the present to build a better future for those that are coming. So I thank you for all being here, sharing your space again. It's an honor and privilege, and I hope to spend many more of these with you. Thank you. Signs of the occupation have been carefully preserved by the Park Service and can be seen by any visitors. But the occupiers themselves were removed by U.S. Marshals. Electrical power and telephone service had been cut off, and a fire destroyed many of the island's buildings. Now, every year, their 19 months on the island are commemorated by the Sunrise Gathering.
I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. Thank you.